There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. All right, before we get started, um, true or false, the symbol for a safety is the dumbest hand signal in any of the major sports for officials. Yeah, I, I think that's true. <laughs> you, just, you just clap your head. It's like a like a ballerina pose thing. It's just it's a stupid look. Yeah, it's a very stupid-looking pose. My, I don't know. I think maybe the only one that's worse might be touchback. Oh, the waving their arm out to the side? Yeah, touchback's kind of dumb, too. But My favorite, and it's not it's not a bad one, I, well, it's, it's ridiculous and I love it so much, is when referees play advantage in soccer and the, and the play is way ahead of them, so they have to sprint to catch up. Yeah. So they have to they sprint <laughs> with their arms out in front of them, and it's, it's my favorite thing. It's my favorite part of soccer is, <laughs> is referees playing advantage. Fourth and short podcast. This is Brian. I'm joined here by John oh. and Brad. How are you guys doing tonight? <laughs> Do, well doing done. Great. <laughs> uh, I like that. I was. Uh, I, I had to message Brad for some collusion there because I needed to be absolutely ex- excellently <laughs> executed. Oh, you. Oh, you're trying to. You're. You're particularly targeting. Yeah. And see, yes. the thing is, is I, I stepped on he, he messaged me like Monday about this. And I'm like, you know, I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to like be the silent partner in both of you colluding against one another because I think it's great. And, you know, I get to be on both sides. So I always win. <laughs> the, the fans are the biggest winners yeah. here. Um, I, I have no idea what I'm going to do to after this point, though. Oh, I have plenty of plans. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh, you you go for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so following our usual introduction shenanigans, um, obviously we already went over the Panthers beating the Falcons on Sunday, which was just so good. Um, we now have the Miami Dolphins on Monday Night Football, apparently a premier football matchup. Um, the Dolphins are a premier football team. Anytime you have a chance to put the Dolphins in prime time three weeks in a row, you have to do I it. I did see that in your defensive preview. They, yes. I'm going to make the same joke again. Thursday, Sunday, Monday, back-to-back-to-back weeks. That's how, phenomenal. How does that happen? You know, I, I, can I, under- no I could understand it if it was Dallas or New England or, you know, one of the regular teams that everybody – but how did Miami get this? 
I mean, they were they're not terrible, okay last so year. to speak. But you know, it's I mean, they made the playoffs, but it's like, yeah, if it, it's if if you're gonna do that, I don't mind Miami getting three um, primetime games for the season. No problem with that at all. Uh, three weeks in a row is a bit much for anything. Yeah. The answer to that question is simple. Jay Cutler. I was going to say that, but then I don't even think he was on the team when they made this decision. They're just like, the people want Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> <laughs> we have to give them what they want. Or and then that was they were predicting that Matt, Matt Moore would be on the field by then. <laughs> or Matt Moore. The people want the Matt Moore. I mean, Matt Moore, Matt Moore has performed well in prime time in the past. I mean, he beat he beat the Brett Favre led Packers. They have another game in prime time too in week fourteen. They have four. They don't have the four prime time games this season. That's not fair. <laughs> I mean, it is fair. They're going to get the Panthers. Usually, don't play well in prime time. It's usually either they they blow the other team out or they get blown out themselves. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's all 1 o'clock games from here on out unless something gets flexed. Yeah, and really the only game that probably will get flexed is the Saints game on December the 3rd, and it will not go to Sunday night football. You know, a lot of Panthers fans are probably hoping that'll happen, but it, it will not. Um, Isn't there's like a, a Seattle, Seahawks I think it's Seahawks and, um, crap, I can't remember who they're playing now. But it's the Seahawks. It, it's I mean, that it's Seahawks the- Vikings, maybe. It's a it's an NFC game, and it's another playoff game that's already at eight thirty. Like they're not going to move it for Carolina New Orleans. Yeah, I mean that Vikings game might get flexed the week after New Orleans. Yeah, it, it could too. Um, but the New Orleans game, I believe, it's pretty much guaranteed, unless one of or both. Panthers and Saints kind of fall off of a cliff here over the next couple of weeks. You know that game's going to at least be the four thirty game. Yeah. The Sunday night game is uh, when we play the. Wait, no. We'll you know, we play the Saints in week thirteen, um, and the Sunday night game is Eagles, Eagles at, Seahawks. at Seahawks. Yeah. Yeah, that's like that's like the top two teams in the NFC. That yeah, that, that game's not moving. So. Um, and it can't move to Thursday, and it can't move to Monday. It can't move days. It has to stay on the same day. But the other 4 o'clock games are Cleveland and the Chargers, the Rams, the Rams and the Cardinals, the Giants and the Raiders. So the Cardinals aren't very good. So I could see the Panthers-Saints game being moved to the 4.30 slot to be the NFL game of the America's game of the week or whatever it is on Fox. America's game of the week. Yeah, we'll get um, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck as the announcers. Ugh. That'll be probably the what ones. they what they do. Ugh. God, I hate that. You don't like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman? I don't particularly hate Troy Aikman, but Joe Buck sucks. I hate Joe him. Buck is the best um, commentator in the NFL. I, I do Joe too. Buck. I love that he does get crap. Yeah, I know. He's gotten so much better the last couple of years once he's decided that, like, you know, he's gotten super, he's just like, you know what, I don't care what people say anymore. I'm just going to just enjoy, watch some football and just talk about it. you guys put him over Tony Romo. I mean, I hate Tony Romo. Okay, see, you know how this, uh, we're getting really sick. I'll make this quick. You know how everybody's been, like, super, um, you know, all about the, the back, the sky cam is the primary camera from, like, the Falcons and Patriots game a couple weeks yeah. ago? Yeah. And I'm super nervous about it because it's, like, universally loved. 
And like the last universally loved broadcast aspect of a football game was Tony Romo, and he's my by far my least favorite part of <laughs> football broadcasting right now. So I'm very I'm very uh, apprehensive about how well this Sky Gaming is going to go because clearly the consensus does not agree with me when it comes to football Maybe broadcast. You're just a hipster. You ever think of that? Yes, I'm, it's on purpose. Yeah. I scour the internet to see what everybody likes, and then I train myself to hate it. I totally see you're you're a millennial, so <laughs> I need attention. Yeah. I need to be different. Yep. All right, so looking at the game coming up, um, <laughs> I'm going to start with the Miami offense, which has been shut out twice this year, but not that, great. Yeah, no, that's no, definitely not great. Um, that said, they do have a few pieces that could be a problem for Carolina. Um, they obviously just traded Dayi away, which was kind of a head-scratcher, but supposedly the justification behind that was they don't know how much mileage he has under his knees. So I can kind of see it, I guess. But the biggest weapon that the biggest weapons, I should say, that the Dolphins have to present to Carolina is definitely Devontae Parker, and the one that I really am worried about is uh, Landry, Jarvis Landry, because he is a prim- primarily a slot receiver, so he's going to match up against Munderland and most likely Shaq Thompson because of the stubbornness of playing that base defense. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, that's basically what I said today or yesterday in my defensive preview. Everything kind of centered around the passing game because, I mean, I know Jay Cutler isn't good, but Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker are definitely their biggest threats on offense. Like Devontae Parker made that ridiculous catch. I don't know if you guys saw that against the Raiders. Yeah, I did. Um, very, very similar to Odell Beckham's from a couple years ago. Um, so he's, he's got that physical presence where he goes up and, and wins jump balls and stuff. And then Jarvis Landry's the, the good foil to that where he's the, the running back Golden Tate type running back wide receiver thing where he just catches the ball a yard up the field and runs around with it. So they got a good little, good match, a good pairing there. That's how you pair up your wide receivers. They have all the different pieces yeah. there. And Kenny Stills, Kenny Stills is scary too. I mean, he's bound to make a big play here and there throughout the season. Yeah, the only key I think with with their offense is who's going to play quarterback. Because I mean, you know, we That's you've the got the call. gunslinger Jay Cutler, um, but if he can't play, then we're looking at Matt Moore, and I don't think that Matt Moore will be good enough to get it done for them. I think that. I mean, you know, of course we say that he'll probably come out and beat us, you know, 35 to nothing. But um, I think if, if Jay Cutler doesn't play, I think the, the Dolphins' offense gets really, really predictable, one-dimensional, and weak, especially since they don't have um, their running game anymore since they traded their best running back. And I, I, I think that, you know, assuming Matt Moore is the starter, I don't even know. The, the, is something wrong with Cutler? I thought Cutler practiced. I think he has. I'm not sure. I haven't checked. Um, I'm, I don't know what the the current status of Jay Cutler is, other than I know he doesn't care about his current status. Um, <laughs> Cutler is on place is on pace to play. He's on. Okay. Yeah. Um, I figured the extra day would would mean he probably will. You know, if yeah, the, he played on Sunday night. Yeah, so, if, yeah. if this was a Sunday at one o'clock, there might be a, more of a question of whether or not he'd play. But uh, you know, I fully expect him to start. And uh, 
you know, I, I'm trying not to be optimistic, but I don't think it is really going to matter that much which one of them plays. I think Carolina's defense is better than Miami's offense. And, you know, because a, a smidge, you know, because, you know, John, you covered this in your defensive preview this week. Miami's ranked like 31st in yards and 32nd in points um, exactly. per game. And, you know, in case you didn't know, listeners, uh, there are only 32 teams in the NFL. So that means they're next to last and last in those two categories. And Carolina's I, defense is in the top five in everything. So, you know, we should win. The, theoretically, we should win the matchup. Which is what we said. I was honestly surprised. It is. I was honestly surprised at how low they ranked. I knew they were bad, but I was expecting it to be like, you know, maybe like 27th or 28th in yards and like 24th or 25th in points. I was very surprised to see them all the way yeah, down Yeah, I the think bottom, getting shut out twice kind of hurts them there. <laughs> yeah, you know, they've been shut out twice in eight games. So. Those zeros. Um, That's what I, as I said, uh, when they played the Dolphins two weeks ago, or the Ravens two weeks ago, um, two touchdowns were scored when their offense was on the field and both by were provided the Ravens. So... Not great. No, that's yeah. not good. It's definitely not good, for, not good for an offense, for sure. Um, <laughs> when the offense against you scores 14 more points than your offense. The, the thing that would have worried me about this game was Jay Ajayi, just because he's a very physical runner. And uh, LeGarrette Blunt had a nice day against the Panthers a few, a few weeks back. Um, but he's not there anymore. So yeah. now the Dolphins are on a running back by committee approach. And I don't think there's going to be a problem for the Panthers' defense. Um, I do think that Jarvis Landry could be a problem for Carolina, though, because I don't think that as as good as Bradbury is, he's not going to shadow Landry the entire game, and I don't. He's probably better off covering Parker anyway. Too. Yeah, Parker's a big play threat where Landry's more of like a Wes Welker or Julian Edelman move the ball, move the change type guy, and Munderland could be matched up with him all day, but I think he's going to have a decent day, so that could be a problem there. Um, but going to, going forward with the defensive side of the ball, um, obviously Indomitable Sue could be a problem. But for some reason, I, I can't recall a game that the Panthers have played in Indomitable Sue where he's been a problem. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's... that's I just, I think Indomitable Sue is really kind of, he seems to have just kind of become a... Uh, fallen back into the into the pack in terms of his impact. Not saying he's bad or anything, but he's he's not the, you know, single handedly wreck a game guy that he was back in the Lions and stuff. Yeah, I think he's kind of overrated. Especially since he At this, came to Miami. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I know he was, he was, you know, best one of the best defenders in the NFL when he was in the Lions. I don't know if it's just a scheme thing or if he's cause he's just because he's thirty years old or what, but he's doesn't seem to be the the threat he was. He's also hurt. Yeah. The guy I worry about the most is Cameron Wake. He's me on Matt Khalil all day. And yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a problem. He's, and he's a, he's a speed, he's a speed rusher too, kind of, isn't he? Like he, he was a 3-4 outside linebacker from when he was 3-4, yeah. and now he's a 4-3 defensive end. So he's definitely, he's yeah, he's definitely. That's, um, that's scary. Matt Khalil, not known for his ability to get wide on the speed rushers. Yeah, we might have to run some two tight end sets and put a tight end over there and kind of help him out. Just kind of widen his, yeah. his path. Oh, well, actually, we'd have to put Taylor Moten out there because we don't have two tight ends because Chris Manhurts is in the <laughs> concussion protocol and Greg Olson's on injured reserve. So we've well, got Ed well, Dixon and that's it. Well, we can totally – Oh, wait. No, we didn't. That's the most Patriots thing ever. 
Yeah, I'm not surprised in the least that they <laughs> picked him up off waivers. <laughs> so, one thing I want to get into as far as the Panthers' offense goes while we're on it, um, we got into it a little bit with our offensive uh, review, I guess, of the Atlanta Falcons, but Christian McCaffrey. So, throughout the first few like weeks prior to last week, he was dating with Jonathan Stewart. Then Jonathan Stewart decided to fumble the ball twice, and McCaffrey suddenly became essentially the bell cow for the Panthers' offense. And as we know, with Stanford, he was more than the bell cow. He was the bell. He was the the bell um, stable there. He was every cow in the freaking stable there. All the cows. So all of a sudden, he got multiple carries back to back, like. Multiple reps from the running back from the running back position back back. He was successful, and I'm sitting here thinking after a few days to, you know, let that marinate and watch some of the film reviews by our great guys like Billy and CP. Um, is McCaffrey a better running back when he is the number one guy for Carolina? It certainly seems like it, at least through one game. Like it seems like giving him the ball, letting him get into a rhythm, and allowing him to be your number one guy at least. This season, with Cameron's hand, Stuart spelling him has made him more effective. So, what are you guys' thoughts on that? That's generally true for every running back. Right. You know, the the more you give them the ball, the more rhythm they get into, the better better they are. I mean, that's not. You know, Jonathan Stewart used to be the same way before he, you know, his legs gave out on him. Um, so, yeah, I think you know, I think the more he gets the ball, the more effective he'll be. I think. It, he just he not only the the volume but he just looks more comfortable. I don't know. I'm sure part of that was the ability of the Falcons defense, but there's definitely a noticeable difference in how he played in the preseason compared to how he looked when the regular season started. He just he seemed a little more that like he wasn't trusting what he was seeing. He was kind of running. He was running the backs of people, and he was he was dancing around too much. And what we saw yesterday or Sunday was what we saw in the preseason, where he was real quick. He was decisive. He saw a hole. He hit it, and got as many yards as he could. He wasn't trying to make everybody miss. He was just he's just taking what they gave him. And I I, I think it's sustainable. I, yeah. I mean, the Dolphins are kind of tough against the run, so it might not manifest itself as much this week. But I think it's it's not going to go away, you know, forever. It's not, I don't think it was a flash in the pan. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I, I think, you know, and Jonathan Stewart aside, no, my, our, I think we've made our opinion known about Jonathan Stewart. Um <laughs> But, you know, even if he weren't in such disarray, uh, I, I think it's time to make the switch. I think Christian McCaffrey mm-hmm. should be the lead back. Jonathan Stewart should be the change of pace. You know, there's two ways to look at it, and we've always done it the first way, which is batter him with uh, a battering ram like Jonathan Stewart and, you know, then bring in a, a speedy guy. And it's been Fozzie Whitaker, you know, the past couple of years. Um but even when we had double trouble, you know, we, we did it the other way, which is use the quicker guy first and wear them out as they try to chase him down and then bring the hammer in and, you know, bludgeon them with it in the fourth quarter. I think John Stewart could be effective if we did that. You know, if we bring Christian McCaffrey and Cameron Artis Payne into the game, 
you know, for those first three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, when built a lead and we're trying to just run the clock out, that's when you put Jonathan Stewart in, you know, you put him in to take advantage of a defense that's already tired and maybe he could do more than gain anywhere from negative two to positive two yards. He might actually gain five yards on a play. Um, Cause no, I do still think he's pretty much done, but I think if we, if we kind of used him in, in late game situations as a, a weapon instead of giving him the ball on first down, every single first down uh, in the, in the first half, uh, I, I think we would see better results from him. And you bring up good exactly. points there, Brad, because um, I want to point specifically to the Raiders game this past week. Um, they still use Marshawn Lynch as a running back in the first two quarters, but they gave the ball a bit to Jalen Richard and uh, DeAndre Washington. And then in the second half, they really let Marshawn Lynch pound the ball, and he actually was successful. Despite several weeks of him not being successful um, as a power back, and I think that mentality makes sense. Like, you use the guy who's physical, who beats up defenses when the defense is already tired from chasing around your speed guy, and hopefully Nicola has figured that out. Um, but the one thing that I really, I'm really excited to see if they do decide to use Christian McCaffrey in more so of a running back role in that sense is Curtis Samuel doing more of what McCaffrey was doing as a receiver. Obviously, McCaffrey still should do what he does as a receiver, but having him as your primary running threat instead of him being like a tertiary threat, like just having him in the backfield, it's going to make the defense, you know, Work, they're going to have to. They're going to have to account for him on every play if he's your bell cow back. So Samuel, that may make things, make things easier for him on the perimeter running attack and the short yard passing attack. So that's what I'm hoping to see. But obviously it's Mike Shula, and you know, yeah. that's not how it always goes with him. But. Yeah, I that's I think that uh, you can take advantage of Christian McCaffrey at running back. You can put Cameron Artist Payne in there too. You know, you can split McCaffrey out wide and keep. Um, Cameron Payne in the game. You don't have to use Jonathan Stewart. And I really, and this won't happen because, like you just said, it's Mike Shula, but I, I really wish they would use Curtis Samuel the way that they used him at Ohio State. Um, you know, he was he was basically a running back slash wide receiver at Ohio State. And I would like to see us run that, that um, reverse option play to Curtis Samuel more often like we did to Ted Ginn. Uh, I'd like to see Samuel get you know, one or two carries. I know we tried to do it against Chicago, and he fumbled the one pitch that they made to him. Um, so they may never do it again. But They did it once against the Falcons, though. Yeah, I, I would like to see them keep working that into the offense. You know, put it on tape. You don't have to do it all the time, but, you know, that needs to be put on tape. I think Samuel has an opportunity to – to be a really good weapon and you know Dave Gettleman has already drafted him so we might as well use him we've got him for four years uh at very cheap uh against salary cap so you might as well find creative ways to use him and not let that be a waste he's averaging 16 yards carry this year on four carries so <laughs> yeah I'll play those I'll, he, he had that field yard running against New Orleans where he really showed off his speed and he uh juke that the, the defensive back out of his shoes. Um, the other thing with McCaffrey that Brian kind of touched on a little bit is the the versatility 
also makes the defense is kind of there's there's a, a little hesitation with their with their first step. When Jonathan Stewart's out there, like Jonathan Stewart's back there to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to take the ball and run it forward for three yards. Um, when McCaffrey's out there, there's that little extra, you know, you have to pay attention a little bit more to what he could do because you see he can do so many different things. And I think there's something to be said about bringing in a running back that's more versatile to start kind of gets their defense on their heels a little bit. And I think it's a little harder for them to get back into a scout on run when Stewart's back in the game just because they've kind of get conditioned early on to account for the running back doing a, wide, a much wider assortment of things out of the backfield. Yeah, I agree. And we need to use, you know, we also need to use Stewart if it's, you know, we're moving the ball and it's, you know, we're already in field goal range. You know, we're at the 30, first and 10. Put Stewart in there and, and do something different with him. You know, don't give it to him straight up the middle. Put put it in the defense's mind that Stewart might do something different. Because um, like you said, right yeah. now you know that if Jonathan Stewart is in the game, Cam is going to hand him the ball and he's going to run straight into the um, the middle of the line and he's going to go down somewhere in, within two yards of the line of scrimmage either way. And, you know, it's the exact problem the Saints had with Adrian Peterson. Yeah, exactly. Where when Ingram and Kamara on the field, you know, you can't, you'll know what their offense is going to run. But when Peterson's in there, you know, there's it was like a 75 or 80 percent chance that they're just going to hand it off to him. And that's kind of how it feels with Stewart. It wasn't as much like that in recent years, but with McCaffrey now, it's it's kind of a, I think having Stewart in there, I haven't looked to see what our play dis, uh, disbursements like with him back there. But I feel like Stewart being in the backfield is kind of a plus point because if we want to throw it, we put McCaffrey in there for the extra weapon. Yeah. And so it's like McCaffrey's in, it's a pass. If Stewart's in, it's a run. And that's also a hindrance to the offense. Having McCaffrey running, too, takes that away, though. Yeah, I agree. So hopefully that's hopefully we see that. I would like to – I really do hope we hand him the ball at least ten times just because – Miami does have a formidable run defense, and I'll really, I'll jump on that hype train real quick if he looks good against Miami as a running back. Yes, me too. Because I want to be on that hype train. Yeah, Miami's defense is actually pretty decent. They're like 10th in yards per game or something like that. I looked that mm-hmm. up earlier today. Uh, they're, um, I want to say 10th in point in, in yards per game, and they're like 13th or 14th in points per game. Uh, and the only reason they are that low is because they gave up 40 to Baltimore um, a yeah, couple of weeks ago. Yeah, they're 16th in points. 16th in points, yeah. But they, they yeah, gave but up 40 to – The defenses. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then they're 14th in yards, but yeah, that's the same thing. They're, they're good against the run and not as good against the pass. Yeah. At least on a yards per play basis. I don't know like 22nd yards per attempt against the pass, and ninth against your end yards per carry allowed. The other, the other thing, the X factor here with the offense is Cam Newton. Obviously, he's been on the ball a lot. There's really nobody on that defense oh, that so I happy. see that, that scares me about Cam running the ball. Like, Kiko Alonso is about the only guy in the front seven that really scares me with tracking Cam Newton down. And even well, then, he scares me too because he doesn't care if the quarterback slides. So he'll blow his he'll blow off. him up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Um, I don't. You know, their their defensive line. I mean, if if Matt Khalil can keep Cameron Wake off of Cam, I think Cam will be able to take advantage of 
of Miami's front, and I, I think he could get some positive plays. Um, the only defensive back they have that I know is Rashad Jones. I don't know any of their corners. I don't, you know, that's it. So uh, I, I don't know if they're any good back there or not. I, I would imagine not because they are weaker against the pass than they are the run. So I'm I'm hoping that uh, Devin Funches can have a have a good game. You know kind of solidify that he's standing up to be the number one receiver because we need something like that too. Yeah, that was that was nice to see on, on Sunday that he just had a nice quiet eighty six yards or whatever it was. It's just what you'd expect out of a number one receiver. Well the Miami Dolphins quarterbacks are Cordria Tankersley and Xavier Howard. Those are their starting corners. Followed by I've heard of Tankersley just because that's a great name. Followed by, Bobby, followed by Bobby McCain and Alteron Burner. And Burner, I know, because my brother is a huge Titans fan, and he was good for them, like, one time. Um, <laughs> so the Panthers definitely have the opportunity to victimize the Miami Dolphins' corners, but Funches is not the only guy that I trust to do that. So this is the game where I, if they really want to bust out Curtis Samuel on the deep routes, it, this is where they should do it, in my opinion. I forgot about Byron Maxwell. You said Byron Maxwell, and then they cut him because he just didn't listen to the play calls. Yep. That's that's a good story. Yeah, it really but is. I, I I'm I'm a big fan of these of these WWE storylines in the NFL, like the Giants calling out Bob um, Bob McAdoo, Byron Maxwell, just like straight out of a out of a bad football TV show drama. Um. Just saying, screw you, coach. I'm going to do what I want to do from my own plays. And uh, not, and then getting cut for it. Good job, Byron. I mean, Maxwell hasn't been good since he left Seattle, really. I mean, he wasn't no. good in Philadelphia. He hasn't been decent. He hasn't been all that decent with the Dolphins, you know. Like, it's it's tough. It's tough when you, come, you go from a team like, Seattle with their strong secondary that alleviates your weaknesses when you go and you're supposed to be in the mm-hmm. corner. So yeah, yeah, you definitely can put on an island more. Yeah. I, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, my my biggest concern with the Dolphins defense is like kind of talked about it, just like Kiko Alonso is like dropping a people's elbow on Cam if he after he dives for a first down or something. Um, but I don't know. I, it's the names in like the secondary and on the front line. I know Cameron Wake, I know Dominican Sue, and I know they've been pretty stout. It's just I don't know if it's a, a matchup thing or if I'm just missing. I'm just not up to snuff on my AF on my Dolphins roster stuff. But it's just I don't I don't look at anything there and say, watch out for this guy. This guy is the guy we got to focus on. The whole Kiko Alonso thing. I just want to address that real quick. <laughs> um, I watched that play several times, and obviously Flacco did slide, but he slid a bit too late. He slid. He did slide late. I think the thing was that normally you expect to see them like when they start to die, like go for the hit, they start to um try to pull out, pull up a little bit, or you know ease off. Um, Kiko Alonso was going for a kill shot, whether Flacco slid or not, and since Flacco did slide late, it happened to catch him in the head. But, like, even if Flacco decided not to slide, um, Kiko Alonso was going to human torpedo mode. 
for that that hit. The only thing I have to say about that is like he had like a half a second to change his mind after when Flash oh, I know. had the slide. So like, oh, he had no way to avoid the contact. I'm not saying yeah. he should have not hit him at all. It was just it it looked it looked very malicious in that a lot of times when you see those hits, like guys, you see guys trying to stop themselves, or when they get up, they look like real like, hey, don't fly me, don't fly me. I didn't mean to do it. Kiko Alonso just kind of like just take it. Yeah, I mean, well, Flacco kind of deserved that the way he uh, <laughs> he slid. To be honest, is like there. God, he's so unathletic. Like he really, there really was no way of him converting that play, whether he slid or not. So it's like mm-hmm. I don't know why he waited so long to slide. And like I know, in hindsight, obviously everybody's gonna say, "Well, Alonzo hit him in the head. He hurt him," you know. But like as a former defensive back, if I had been in that situation, I'd be hitting the guy in the head too, and I would have, I would have had no regrets about it. From the situation. Yeah, I, like, no, Flacco definitely set himself up to get hit like that. Yeah. Just, um, Alonso did himself no favors with the way he, the the aggressiveness in which he went at it. Just, I think also you kind of have to know it's Joe Flacco. Um, Joe Flacco is not going to juke you for a touchdown. That he's going to, you know, he's going to slide. Just kind of get in front of him. And he's going to slide, and if he doesn't slide, just, just grab him, throw him to the ground. Right. By the way, so I'm, I looked while we were talking about that. Um, the Dolphins' defense is actually 24th in DVOA from Football Outsiders. So that's quite a bit off their, you know, standard box score statistic numbers. Which is Damn. interesting. So I need to, I need to go... I guess they've faced some weak offenses this year. They have, for sure. Let me see. Uh, Chargers and eh. Jets bad. Saints good. Titans and eh. Falcons this year and eh. Jets again not good. Ravens not good. Raiders this year have been not that good. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's just kind of a lot of eh. a lot of average to bad. They've only played the Saints are like the really only explosive offense. Well, it was good for. Good thing for them, they're gonna face an average to bad offense with Carolina. This week, so. <laughs> oh yeah, we're not. Oh, we're certainly gonna help with their their yards and points allowed. We're not gonna. I mean, you never know. We could just have a 2015 game out of nowhere, just come out and if we can force a like an early turnover, which we haven't done in Dallas this year, and jump out to a lead, I think we'll be have a great chance to run away with it. Yeah. I do too. Like we did all the time in 2015. Yeah, I think that's going to be a key factor. If we can get a lead, like, first series, if we can get, like, a pick six or a fumble, you know, something, I think we can jump out ahead of them where they can't catch us. Yeah, because they're, I mean, like I said before we started the show, that that gif of Jay Cutler where he just panicked in a clean pocket and put a wobbly pass with covered defender that got intercepted. Like, I feel like we can make him feel like that all game. Like, actually give him real pressure to run away from and trip over his own feet. Yeah. So. So. I, spe- oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I'm done. I was saying, so speaking of how the game might go, um, let's get into our scoring predictions here. So I'll start with Brad. Brad, Panthers-Dolphins, Monday Night Football. What's your scoring prediction? How do you think this game's going to go? I think Carolina is going to win. I don't think Miami is good enough to beat us, quite honestly. Uh, I think that we'll probably 
probably be able to do whatever we want on offense. I don't think Miami's defense is going to be quite up to the task to keep us contained. And I think our defense is going to smother them. So I'm feeling a, you know, 24 to three Panthers win. Ooh. All right. All right. That's super optimistic for you. Um, it actually I, is. So <laughs> for all you people who think I'm always negative, there you go. Um, my thing is I hope we – I've talked about it, and I, will, I swear I'll eventually write it, where we have we feel like we have to run the ball to win. Miami – so I was just looking at like I just said the DVOA thing. They are 30th against the pass. Their pass ranking DVOA is 30th, and their rush is 5th. So if we don't, if we're not, if we don't stubbornly bash our head against the wall and try to run the ball over and over, and over again, and uh, you know, do what we kind of did against the um, the Falcons, throw the ball a little bit, like Cam get out, run and stuff. I think we can we can move the ball against them, and then our defense shouldn't allow them to do anything offensively. Do you want me to, should I get my score prediction while I'm talking while I'm rambling? Yeah, that's what yeah, we're doing. Go. I hate when you say your score first. It like puts that score in my head, and I keep wanting to repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say twenty to six. I, I, twenty to six. I think we're gonna do another no touchdowns allowed once. All right. Well, I'm gonna give my my perspective on it, which, to be honest, I'm very superstitious about the Panthers because in 2013, every time I wore Panthers gear, they lost. So. Every time I wore, pa- I didn't wear Panthers gear. They won, and that was when they went on the nine-game winning streak. So ever since then, I've been a little bit superstitious. So you've carried that superstition for four years now. I've been carrying it for a while. Yeah, um, that's a it's a long superstition. I wore, my, I wore my Cam Newton jersey for the Super Bowl game in which they lost. So my so you're, well, you're totally the reason they lost the Super Bowl. Yep. So I hope my, you're happy so, with yourself. So my my superstition this year has been picking against them because every time I've picked for them, they've lost. Um, so I am going to pick against the Panthers and say that the Dolphins are going to win 17-13. to 13. Who scores the touchdowns for the Dolphins? Charles Landry. Both of them? Yep. He's, he's definitely a, a concern. Um... Especially because I feel like we're going to get to Cutler quickly in the pass rush. And he's going to keep panicking and throwing the ball to Jarvis Landry wherever he is on the field, which is always very close to Jay Cutler. I could I could definitely see Jar- Jarvis Landry having a game where he has like 11 catches for 55 yards. Yeah, that, that makes sense, yeah. And going with Brian's score prediction, actually, if that's the final score... I hope it's because they kick five field goals and get a safety. Like, I hope they score 17 without scoring a touchdown because that would be peak Panthers. I've always I've, – I've enjoyed all season, or not all season, but the last couple of weeks being able to say that we've won almost all of our games where we've held the uh, opposing offense to no touchdowns. Yeah. It's such, it's such a stupid thing to say – to have to say almost, So I, and I love saying it. <laughs> And I mean, I, I was I was gonna try to look it up, but I had no idea how to find this. Um, has it? If we have five games without allowing an offensive touchdown, like I can't imagine that's happened much ever, especially not lately. Any any? Do you guys know off the top of your head? The last time that happened was 
last time at five five games without a touchdown allowed. Yeah. Um. I have no idea. The only team that would that would maybe be it would be the two thousand Ravens. Yeah. Good guess. I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try to find touchdowns. Wait, it can't do like that. Search for season. Okay, I think I can find it, but I'm not gonna do it on, while we're actively on the show because that's bad radio. It's very bad radio. <laughs> but um. I definitely think it would be something to, um, a very rare thing. And I'm actually about to find it. So you hold on for. So he said he's not going to do it while we're on live radio. (laughs) I wasn't going to tell you I was looking it up. I was just going to. Hey, listeners, hold on for a minute. You know, I have the power to edit, right? And I could, I can make it, I can turn a five sec, a five minute silence into zero seconds like, like that. Yeah. Me and Brad will never forget. Yeah. I don't care. (laughs) You are two people. And we will more make, than two people is this. We will make little, sure that the that the world knows that you edited this out. So <laughs> Brian and Brad release the fourth and short podcast, the secret tapes, and yes. it's just of this conversation that's happening when my browser won't refresh uh, to tell me the answer that I'm looking for. Anything else? Can you tell Chris Collinsworth uh, to shut up in the background? By the way. Is that me? Can you hear that? It's like yeah. really quiet. Yeah. Jeez. Chris Collinsworth to shut his fucking mouth. It's the it's the it's the super it's the super mic. The super mic. Yeah, well, the volume was on like ten, and it's on the other side of the room. Yeah, well, and I heard him. I actually like Chris Collinsworth, so it doesn't bother me. I I used to hate him, and he's a no buck category for me. Did you also used to hate him? I used to hate him, and now I don't hate him. I like him. Yeah, it was. He makes those like stupid sounds all the time, but where he just kind of like, mm, yeah, 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 we. Uh, but he he knows his stuff real well. Um, if he would do, if he would stop doing two things, he would be the perfect color guy. If he would stop loving Tom Brady as much as he does, and if he would stop talking about what he did when he was a wide receiver for the Bengals, <laughs> because nobody cares about that. Other than that, he's fine. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. All right. Other than Tony Romo, is there any broadcaster that most people like? I feel like there's not. There's probably not. No. Brian Billick, love him. Yeah, but are you everybody? You you might literally be the only person who likes Brian Billick. He's <laughs> generally win when he's calling games, so that's why I like him. Oh, there you that go. That is true. Superstitions against. Yep. So did you find where you're looking for, John, or are we just keep talking about commentators here? No, we're just going to kill time and pretend like I'm not looking for anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> we can wrap the show up. I can always type it later. Yeah. Read the comments. Uh, you... Read the comments on every article, and you'll maybe find find your answer somewhere. Browse all of CSR's articles. The thing, about the, the thing about the fourth and short podcast is we don't have all the answers. We're just here to try and answer them. And, uh, we'll, 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 we'll try and fail right in front of your face to, to find the answers. But, but the key is just to remember that we tried. That, that's what we do. <laughs> we try so hard. So 
No other podcast will try so hard to give you such an obscure stat that you don't even really <laughs> care about. We're trying exactly. hard. Well, um, yeah, John, I feel like I feel like this I is, no, no, no. I told you, just wrap it up. Just go you ahead. You want me to Okay. Well, we're done here. This, I is, this was the this was the short podcast. Uh, this is Brian Beversluice, your host, your host, and uh, Brad, your managing editor on CSR, and John, your guy looking for really obscure stats. And, and failing badly. He will find them for you, though, at some point in time within the next 24 hours. So check us out. Uh, eh, 24 hours might not be enough time. Well, that's how long you have to get them. So, <laughs> anyway, you guys have a great day, and thanks for listening. See you after the Panthers win on Wednesday or Thursday, sometime next week. Sometime next week. Struggle, struggle, struggle. Anyway, go Panthers tonight. Bye. Later. In the depths of my mind, I lay sleeping. Well, I had such a
Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.